0: Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Bad Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Uh, a lot of times we, we, we think of purpose and discovering purpose or fulfilling purpose as a destination. But I want to talk to you today about purpose as a journey. Not so much a place that you arrive to, but a, a process that you go through. Amen. And, and, and I want to help shift our thinking a little bit um, in this. You know, as, as a church, we're, we're, we're picking up from seven years, moving on. We're in our eighth year now as a church literally, and and, and whatever God's called you to, whatever God has has, has placed on your heart, I want you to know today that it's not a a, a destination, it's not a place of arrival like I've accomplished, now I'm done, I just sit back and relax, but but it's a journey, there's always progress, there's always movement. Uh, One of our sayings around here is we're always advancing, always advancing. And, and, and when Pastor Earl comes up here, uh, our pastor from St. Augustine, Florida, from our uh, St. Augustine location, he always reminds me that we are always advancing, always what's the new project, what's the new thing, Where's, where, what's the new goal? Because you've always got, like I just said, vision is what helps you move forward. The Bible tells us that without vision, people perish. People perish. Perish. Now, obviously, we know perish means to die away or to to, to be incomplete. But but that word, actually, if you look it up, uh, that word perish means to cast off restraint. One indicator of people with vision is that they live with restraint. They don't do everything. They don't do just anything. And, 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 and you, you, you can identify a person with vision. You can identify a person that is going somewhere or that has a goal in mind by sometimes the things that they don't do just as much as the things that they do. That's vision. And, and so we've gotta be people of vision. I don't wanna perish. I know you don't wanna perish. We wanna be people that are driving forward into the things of God. And here we, we pick up with, with David, not yet king, Uh, but not shepherd. So now we find David in the middle. Everyone say in in the middle. Pastor Marcus, when he was here a few months ago, ministered a message in the middle. The wilderness is the middle. You can come out of Egypt, but you gotta go through a wilderness to get to the promised land. You don't come out of Egypt and go straight into the promised land. Why? Because God wants to make sure that the thing he got you out of is the thing that he can get out of you. Because he can bring me out of Egypt, but I can keep myself in Egypt, stuck in my mentality, stuck in my thinking, just as the Israelites did uh, in their wilderness opportunity. Uh, that was an opportunity to cast off some things. That was an opportunity to put on some new things. It's an opportunity to, to shed the weight of the past so that I can fulfill the purpose in the promised land. God always begins purpose with a promise. So God gave David A promise, he was anointed as a young shepherd boy, the youngest in his house, was looked over, wasn't even invited to the party. If you were with us earlier this spring on Wednesday nights, we did a series called Cheese and Giants. Cheese and Giants, how you go from serving cheese to slaying giants. A powerful uh, study on purpose and how you you walk out the things that God has for you and what that looks like. And we know that that David was picked, handpicked by God, chosen, He said, man chose Saul, his predecessor, but I'm gonna choose the next one. He's a man after my own heart and he's not, do not look on the outside. You gotta look at the inside. That's where God looks for purpose. God doesn't look at your bank account to determine your purpose, amen. God doesn't look at your past. God doesn't look at your history. God doesn't look at your degrees on your wall. God doesn't look at your failures or your successes. He looks at your inside. He looks at your heart and say, do they have what it takes on the inside to get where I need them to be on the outside? Everything starts on the inside. And so he picks David as a shepherd boy. You guys know this. And David uh, uh, serves his purpose, serves uh, uh, cheese to his brothers, but ends up on a battlefield and kills the giant Goliath that was the adversary, the enemy of the Israelites, holding them back. And, and it's just interesting that, that David, a shepherd boy with no training whatsoever, could accomplish the task of overcoming the enemy. Because when God picks people, he picks people with purpose, not with training. People with purpose will always trump people with training. I said people with purpose will always trump people with training. And so that's why you get elevated to positions that people have been, been studying for and, and, and going to school for and working so hard for and God will get you right to the top because you, and you go in there with purpose. You go in there knowing I've got a job to do, there's a task that needs to be assigned, there's influence that needs to be made and so I, I've gotta get this thing done and God says boom, you're going to the top. And so God can take people with purpose way further than he can people with training. Now I'm not saying you've got to be incompetent. I'm not saying that you don't need to train. Uh, David eventually had to put down the sling and take up a sword. As a king, he wasn't going to be fighting battles with slings anymore. He had to put down the sling with Goliath. That was the last time, and he had to learn how to train with a sword. What I'm saying is, is there's something else that God looks at? There's a different indicator, a different identifier, a different qualifier that God looks at. And so now you would think everyone would be just so happy with David, just celebrate his goodness. I mean, especially King Saul, he just liberated his people. He just did the hard work for him. King Saul should have been the one out there fighting uh, Goliath himself, right? Leaders are out front, not charging from behind. But the little shepherd boy ends up having to do a task that thousands of foot soldiers couldn't do. And they're not so excited. At least King Saul isn't. Because King Saul has an ego issue. King Saul is prideful. And pride will always destroy your purpose. Because pride will dictate, dictate things in your life that purpose should be calling the shots on. When you let pride rule, and when you let pride reign, and when you let what other people think about you uh, be, be, you know, see, David had to get out there, and he had to cast off what people thought about him. I mean, his own brother called him out and said, shouldn't you be with the sheep? You don't belong out here on a battlefield. Go back home with the sheep. Thanks for the bread and cheese. Now, now, Now get back home. You have no business out here. And David had to cast off what other people thought about him, but King Saul was way too concerned with what people thought about him. And a pride issue. So when, when, when uh, uh, David becomes elevated, he's not even king yet. He's been anointed king, but he's not in the position of king yet. He just took down a giant, and everyone's singing his praises. Saul has slain his thousands, but David's slain his ten thousands, and, and, and everyone's giving the attention to, to, to David, warranted or not, and, and King Saul uh, decides, I'm going to take this guy out. So he puts David On the run. And David is the anointed king. Rightfully, by God Himself, the prophet came, anointed him with oil. But now, the king Saul, that is still in position, is now out to take his life. He becomes insecure, he becomes, uh, he feels attacked by this. And so, now in 1 Samuel chapter 24, we pick up here. And it says, after Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. Notice that Saul, he comes out of battle fighting a Philistine enemy, a Philistine army. And as he comes out of that battle, the first thing back to his mind was, where's David? I got to take care of David. I mean, he's, he's, he's infatuated with this. He's, he's stuck on this. There's nothing that's gonna get him off of it. And it says, Saul chose 3,000 elite troops to hunt down a shepherd boy from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. Uh, David ended up having to flee for his life. And he had some men come alongside him uh, and and say, we're going to support you. We know that you're the the rightful king. And so they went with him uh, and they fought for him. Uh, And it says uh, that they came near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. And that means exactly what you think it means. He went in to relieve himself. But as it happened, (laughs) as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today, the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. Is the Lord telling you that or are your friends telling you that? so David crept forward and he cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscious, conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. Remember that he's a man after God's own heart. God picked him not because of what was on the outside, but because of his heart on the inside. And so he began to become bothered within. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. It's an interesting way to talk about somebody that is trying to take your life. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. He shouted to Saul, why do you listen to the people who say I am trying to harm you? This very day, you can see with your own eyes, it isn't true for the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you for I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand, it is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. It's interesting as we discover that purpose uh, is a process. Purpose uh, is a journey. Purpose is not a final destination. And here we have uh, King David, not yet King it, it, it's, it's interesting how God will speak to your purpose. He will assign a position to you, but not yet promote you. God will assign a position to you, but outwardly not yet promote you. This is why we, we get an inkling, this is we get an idea of what God has in store for us, what God is calling us to do. Uh, 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 you know, we, we we have these ideas, these big pictures. We've talked about this before that, you know, young kids, little kids, uh, you know, especially, you know, elementary and younger, you ask them what they're going to be when they grow up and they've got some pretty lofty goals. Ninjas and and police officers, and astronauts, and and presidents. If If you meet one bold child, he may try to be all of it, a ninja president astronaut. And you can't talk them out of it. I said, you can't talk them out of it. They think it's achievable, but the older we get, the less likely we believe in our ability and our potential to produce. That's a God-given ability within us to imagine. Your imagination is one of the greatest things that God has given you, and it's one of the greatest things that the enemy attacks is your imagination. Why? Because God doesn't operate where you are, and God doesn't operate in what you have and God doesn't operate in what you've already accomplished. God is already 10 steps ahead of you saying, that, that, that's great, that's awesome that you got that, but I've got you down here. This is what we need to be believing for. And the second that you accomplish or achieve the thing you were believing for, God's already saying, well, hurry up, get up here. Why? Because God is motivated and moved by faith. The Bible tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. You cannot please God if you are not believing for something you do not yet have. God gets pleasure out of his people living beyond where they currently are. We talk about this a lot. This is kind of a driving force behind our church and behind what we preach and behind what we say because because we are always trying to elevate people's thinking beyond where they're at. The enemy wants to keep you stuck. He wants to keep you stale. He wants to keep you in the routine. He wants to keep you in the familiar. He wants to keep you in the discipline and the, the consistency. And this is the thing. You need the discipline and you need the consistency and you need the familiarity, but God doesn't want you to stay there Sure, you've got to learn to develop what it takes to get there, but God always wants us achieving and striving for what is beyond us. What businesses have you not yet started? What songs have you not yet sung? What books have you not yet written? What classes have you not yet taught? What degrees have you not yet gained? God is always saying, what is next? How can we get to the next level? And so here we have a shepherd boy does a phenomenal feat, killing a, a giant with a slingshot. And now he's on the run. And this is the thing about purpose is many times the journey looks like it is uh, counter, uh, 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 counterproductive to where God is trying to take you. Wait a minute. I should have been able to kill that giant and that should have been my promotion to be king, But now David would run for his life for the next 14 years. God speaks to Abraham, you will be a father of many nations in 25 years. Our microwave society and our gotta have it now and gotta have it my way culture robs us of the patience and the long suffering. The Bible says it's with faith and patience. Faith and patience. The Bible tells us that when we fall into trials, when we fall into to, to, to challenges and pressures of life, it says that it produces patience. My son was trying to teach me what patience is the other day. They learned in, in his class, you know, kids, will, they'll, they'll correct you real quick. And I'm yelling at the person in front of me like they can hear me, you know. Driving, and uh, you know he says, "What do you say? Patience is is waiting with a peaceful heart." I said, "That's not exactly right, but it still works." The answer is patience is waiting with a good attitude. You know, that, 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 you know patience you, waiting it, it happens either way. Whether you're patient or impatient is up to you. You're waiting. They're not going anywhere faster. They're gonna drive 26 miles an hour in and, 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 and a 45 and they're gonna act like they own the road and they're gonna do that regardless of what my heart is like. So I can either, I can either sit behind and say, 26 miles an hour, yay, we're, we're cruising at 26 miles. I don't have to be anywhere right now. I'm not late for anything. I'm not trying to get anywhere. Pay attention to life, Please. Open road in front of you. You are, you are standing between me and my, where I'm trying to go. Patience, waiting with a peaceful heart, he said. I said, I don't want to hear that right now. <laughs> uh, there's not much peace going on in this car right now, so thank you for reminding me. But the purpose and the plan of God, the, 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 the journey, many times we'll see counterproductive to the promise. And so I wanna show you today three things that I believe that we can see from this passage, three things that are hidden in purpose. Three things that are hidden in purpose. Because here's, the, here's what we try to do. When... when, when we're on this journey and and we're on this and, you know, we all have this idea and this this ideology that we need to follow the plan of God and I need to follow his plan. I need to do and I want to be in the will of God. I want to know the will of God. Come on, everybody in this room at some point in life has said, I I want to know God's plan for my life. I want to know the will of God. And and we've covered before that that you don't know the will until you know the person with the will. Knowing the will of God is not knowing about something, it's about knowing someone. And when you get to learn the person, you'll find that learning the will of that individual is a byproduct of, of, of learning and discovering who the person is. The closer I get to God, the closer I get to discovering his plan for my life. and his, but, but see, what happens is, is, is we wanna start taking shortcuts. And David has exactly what his men tell him. Now you have an opportunity. Now is your opportunity and will always have opportunities on the road, on the journey of purpose. You'll have opportunities to take shortcuts. You'll have opportunities to intervene. Abraham had an opportunity to have a child a different way then it's amazing. God doesn't need our help to fulfill his promise. But yet we step in and say, you know, it's not really happening. God, is there anything I can do? Uh, is, you, know, is there, uh, you know, can I help in any way? You know, I just feel like I'm just sitting back here and, and it's not really moving along. You know, and so we try to urge this thing, move this thing along. We try to intervene because you know, God needs our help with it. He doesn't really have it all. He's got a promise, but he doesn't know how it's going to take place. And so we start taking these shortcuts. Number one purpose, uh, the number one thing that is hidden inside of purpose is promise. It's promise. Every purpose begins with a promise. It begins with an arc, it begins with... With the father of many nations, it begins with uh, anointing your head with oil and declaring that you will be the next king over Israel. Uh, every purpose, uh, whatever the, the, the end goal is, it always starts with a promise. So David here in this situation, he's got to keep, you know, the promise tends to become smaller and smaller the further into the journey we get. I mean, I've, I've talked with people that, that within a year, within two years, uh, they were excited about a promise, about a vision God had given them. God was showing them something. God was revealing the plan. And then 12 months goes by and they're, they're not even excited about it anymore. It's not even on their lips anymore. It, 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 it doesn't uh, uh, convict them like it used to. It doesn't uh, you know, encourage them to keep moving like it used to. You gotta keep the promise in front of you you lose sight of the promise and you'll lose sight of the purpose. If you lose sight of the promise, you'll lose sight of the purpose. So David here in this opportunity, he knows what the promise is. He knows that the promise is that he would one day be king. And look, everything's going haywire. Everything's going the opposite direction of what God said would take place. And, 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 and our track and our plan, and and our uh, pathway that we think it's all gonna play out. You know, we always play those things uh, in our minds and with ourselves of how we think it's gonna be accomplished. Y'all have heard my testimony many times. If if God would have, have done it my way, I wouldn't have what I would have needed when I got there. See, God knows all the people you need to be brought in front of. God knows all the people uh, that you're going to influence along the way. But most importantly, God knows the development that you need so that when you get to the throne, you don't act like a shepherd. There's some things you got to learn. When you get to the promised land, you can't act like a slave. You can't think like a slave. You can't be bound to rules and, 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 and the structures of, of people and, 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 and not owning any responsibility. See, the difference between a slave and a free person is responsibility. The difference between living in the promised land and living in Egypt is you're now responsible. It's up to you. See, even in the wilderness, God was performing all these miracles. God was performing all these. If they, were, if they needed breakfast. There's your manna. You need dinner? Here's some birds that'll bring you, uh, you know, some bread and, and some meat. Uh, you, you, you need to get across that river? Here, I'll just part the water for you. But now when you get over to the promised land, you gotta start doing some stuff yourself. And so if you take a slave mentality into the promised land, if you take a shepherd mentality into the palace, so you, can't, you can't treat the palace like you did the pasture. There's some development. There's some things that God is trying to show you. And so when things start going backwards, when things, when when pressure starts coming, you've got to remind yourself of the promise. No, this is what God said was on my life. This is what God said I would do. This is the image. This is the picture. And by faith, you have to live out and walk out the promise before you ever see it. If you give up on the promise, you will give up on your purpose. It doesn't matter how much pressure comes. It doesn't matter. But I have found some only stay in it as long as other people are supporting them. But I have found sometimes that for God to get me to where I need to go, he had to remove some people from my life that were actually holding me back. They were not helping me move forward. They wouldn't support me. They wouldn't believe in me. And if, they, if I told them what God uh, was gonna do with my life, they would have laughed and scoffed at me and said, there's no way. Sometimes the people that God is eliminating out of your life, we keep dragging them back in. God is trying to say, I've made a promise, you have a purpose, but there's stuff in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, that's gonna keep you from getting from promise to purpose. And so we've got to keep our eyes on the promise, God, I, 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 this was a lot of pressure, but, but I know that you made a promise. This is, I, I don't know why those people are treating me like that, but you made a promise. I don't know why I lost that promotion or I lost that job, but you made a promise. I don't know why you're uprooting us and relocating us, but you made a promise. And so you've got to keep your eyes on the promise if you wanna keep your feet on the purpose. Where you set your eyes is where you go. If you look at all the struggle around you, if you look, look, I'm telling you right now, where God's trying to take you, no one else can get you there. Nobody else can do it. Don't put your purpose in the hands of other people. Your purpose belongs to God. So he had to keep his eyes on the promise. And speaking of eyes, number two, the second thing that is hidden in purpose is perspective. Perspective. Look at the opportunity. It says, now, now is your opportunity. David's men whispered to him. Today, the Lord is telling you. <laughs> Don't you love it when people try to tell you what the Lord is telling you? that's funny, the Lord didn't tell me what you're saying the Lord is telling you to tell me. Maybe the Lord should tell me. It says, today, the Lord is telling, I mean, look, they, they see the opportunity, man. It is laid out right before them. It's all working out. hey, He's coming, he's trying to kill you. You're the rightful king. Uh, he, he's the, he, he's the, the, the king, uh, you know, and, and you can't be king until he's removed and, and he's trying to kill you. And now you've, he has been placed into your hand, David. The, you know, God, God brought him here. He, he, and many times it'll look like a setup when really it can be a setback. You know, we talk about that a lot of times in reverse, God, I had a setback, but God turned it into a setup. Well, sometimes what you think is a setup can really be a setback. If David would have taken action in that moment, it would have set him back because that's not how kings operate. So David's men, same situation, same scenario, but different perspectives. And so David goes in. Well, look at what his men say first. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power. Now watch this. To do with as you wish. To do with as you wish. That's a pretty good indication that it's not God. God never instructed anybody in the Bible, to do as they wish. If it's God's purpose, it has to follow God's plan, not your plan. God never, God never hands over and says, okay, uh, you're, you're responsible for steps three and four. You're responsible for obeying. You're responsible for participating. And you can't just sit back and draw a check on God's purpose. You got to obey. You gotta walk it out. You gotta step out when he says to step out. You gotta stay put when he says to stay put. And many times I've discovered that, that, that when it looks like a good opportunity to step out, it's really a good time for me to stay put. And when it seems like a good time to stay, it's really a good opportunity that God is trying to, to move me into moving forward and going. Because God operates by faith. God does not have to have all the stars to align and God does not have to have all the the natural expectations to be met before he says now move because then it would remove the faith factor. God will simply not have you uh, obey an instruction or honor his word outside of faith. So it's gonna go against the grain and it's gonna go against what people say and it's not gonna be the popular decision and it's not gonna look like the thing that everybody else would do. But that's why he's not asking everybody else to do it. He's asking you to do it. And so you have to step out when no one else would and you have to stay when everybody else is going. So he's got to discern right here. Because the, these men, I mean, they're, they're there to support. And, and sometimes I have found that the people closest to me are the ones that I cannot listen to because they're gonna be emotionally led or they're, they're gonna follow a different plan that, that, that meets my need. But I need someone that can look at me and say, nope, that's not when you need to go. That's not what you need to do. Don't need yes men, don't need people to just be agreeable. And, and I need people that will submit themselves to the Lord and say, man, well, let's go to the Lord together on that. Let's see what God's saying. Because man, that, that, you're right, that, that looks like a great opportunity, but it might not be. I would rather have someone pray with me than have someone just agree with everything I think is right. I need people that can discern. And see, this, guys, this is why we gotta be led by the Spirit. Because naturally it could all make sense. And we even put God on it. We put God's label. Oh man, God put it all together. No, he didn't. He had nothing to do with that. How do you know? You gotta be led by the spirit. People don't like it when I say that. I remember uh, a few years ago, we were at a, uh, a minister's thing And um, my pastor, Pastor Earl, uh, ministered, ministered like 15, 20 minutes, just this uh, little talk. And and this individual, this pastor, not just an individual, a pastor came up to him afterwards and said, man, that was good stuff. Where did you get that? And don't tell me the Holy Spirit told you. (laughs) He, He said, sorry to disappoint you. I didn't get it off a podcast and I didn't watch somebody's message online and I didn't read some book or some, some article or some blog. The Holy Spirit told me we have to be led by the Spirit of God because he'll tell you to step out when you shouldn't be and he'll tell you to stay put when you should be stepping out. You've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. Thank God David was, was a man after God's own heart, followed He had a conscience come up within him. He said, man, this just just isn't right. There's something wrong here. David's conscience began bothering him. Uh, Brother Hagin used to say, let peace be the umpire in your life. Let peace call the shots. If there's peace, God will never have you take a step in confusion. I'm not saying that it's all gonna line up and make sense. I'm saying that you're gonna have peace to step out. Pastor Martin doesn't make any sense. That's what the Bible calls it. Peace that passes all understanding. I have a peace on the inside. Ah, man, it just doesn't really, you know, it doesn't look right, it doesn't fit right, but but I just got a peace that this is the decision we're supposed to make, and you follow that. Follow peace. Every time. Follow peace. God does not want you to live in confusion. God does not want you to live trying stuff out. Well, well, we'll see if this works. See if this, no, God wants you to know. And let me just go ahead and say this too. You don't need to put out a fleece. Y'all know about the story of Gideon? And he wasn't sure. Okay, I'm gonna put out this fleece and if the ground around it is wet but the fleece is dry, I'll know it's you but that didn't work anyways. Okay, let's do this again. I'm gonna put it back out, but the fleece will be wet and the ground will be dry. Then No, 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 that's not gonna work. Everything's gonna be dry. Now, fleeces were necessary in the Old Testament because they didn't have the Holy Spirit living within them. But you've got something greater than a fleece. You've got something greater than testing it and see if God's gonna, you've got the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within you and he's trying to help you. He's a helper. He was a teacher. He's a guide. He's a leader. He's trying to inform you. But see, the thing with hearing the Holy Spirit is he's not gonna shout. I'll shout. Stop. Don't go there. But the Holy Spirit's just gonna say, no, don't do that. No, don't don't treat them like that. So, then what's the answer? If he's not getting louder, everything else has to get quieter. That's what fasting's all about. If you need to make a big decision in your life, fast. It's not a diet plan. It's a time to shut down your flesh. And get close to the Father and say, I've got a big decision. I need to hear from you. I know the promise. I know the purpose. But right now, I'm, I'm in the middle. Is this you or is it not? And he, he wants to tell. He's not up in heaven saying, let's see if they can figure this one out. He's saying, I want you to know. Listen to my spirit. And see, if David would have followed through, he would have cut off a corner of a robe when God wanted to have him, wanted him to have the whole thing. You do it your way, and you'll only end up with the peace. You do it God's way, he'll get the whole thing to you. He'll get it in a way, he'll get you more than you ever could on your own. but you gotta follow his plan. You gotta have his perspective. That's half the battle is seeing it the way God sees it. Do you want a corner of what God has got for you? Or do you want the whole thing? Lastly, we've said this a thousand times today, and in our church, the third thing hidden inside of purpose is the process, it's the process. Worship team, if you come, it's the process. And the process doesn't make sense. The process, it won't check your boxes. You'll go the opposite direction. i just be honest with you, be transparent with you. I wanted to go to Texas. That's where I wanted to go back. I told Pastor Earl when I came to St. Augustine, I said, I don't know how how long I'll be here, but but I, I believe that I'm called to be in Texas. I'm gonna pastor in Texas. And I was I was mapping out San Antonio and I was mapping out back home in the Dallas Fort Worth area and, and just even looking at other new areas and 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 you know they tell you in Bible school, don't tell God I'll go anywhere but because that's the one place they'll send you. And I didn't tell God that, but in a way, I had my boxes. I had my checklist. I had my plans. Many are the plans in a man's heart. Let me tell you something. God wants you to make a plan. Many times, purpose comes to people that are planners. It doesn't come to people sitting on their couch waiting for the phone call to ring, waiting for the phone to ring. Purpose doesn't come to people uh, that, that, that... just go about their lives hating everything they do. And well, you know, until God, you know, God does, God's not giving people to aggravated, purpose to aggravated people. You may not like where you're at. You may not like the position what you're in, but you do it as unto the Lord, not as unto men. You do it with a whole heart, a cheerful heart, a good heart, and I don't care if it's the very last thing you would do on the face of the planet. You treat it as if as if it's the last thing you would ever do for the rest of your life. Those are the people that find purpose. Lazy people don't find purpose. Do nothings don't find purpose. And so David's out there, he's chasing. He may not, he may not have all the right answers. He may not, may not have all the right ideas. He may have an idea in his mind of, of how it's gonna be accomplished and how he's gonna see the plan unfold, how he's gonna become king. But I can tell you right now, he never thought in a million years it would take 14 years to get to the throne. It's a process. The process is there to develop you not your purpose. Can I say this? Your purpose doesn't need development. To God, it's a finished product. The thing that needs development is you. The thing is sitting ready and waiting for you to walk into it, but you have to be ready to walk into it. The palace was ready and waiting. They needed to get King Saul out of there yesterday, doing a horrible job. But God said, I'm not going to rush the process. The purpose is too important to rush the process and get you there prematurely before you have everything in place that needs to be in place to fulfill the plan. The purpose is ready and waiting ready. Ready. He's he's not just preparing it. He has it ready. What he's working on is you. So many times we say stuff like, well, if they would just get their stuff together, I could be doing what I need to do. We say that about our spouses, or we say that about our kids. We say that about our boss. No. There's something in you that's still If there's still a process going, it's an indicator there's something still being worked on on the inside. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaith.austin.com.